welcome to another edition of Rated Golf. Coming up on the show, we look ahead to the Open Championship, the fourth and final major of the year. Discover another hallmark partnership between the Sunshine Tour and the European Tour. Profile some future superstars from South Africa. Catch up with American golf reporter Samantha Marks and visit the beautiful State Mines Golf Course. All this and more in Rated Golf. Welcome to another edition of the show. Great to have you on board as discussed. Plenty to look forward to with myself, Derek Alberts, as well as my partner in crime, as always, Tyron Jabu Barnard. How are you doing, Tyron? Derek, uh, yeah, welcome. Thank you. Uh, as always, it's an action-packed show. It's one I'm looking forward to. And of course, uh, it would be remiss not to at least share with everybody a congratulations to Wade Marshall, who was our Raider Golf Knockout Cup winner, winning in the final at Serengeti. What a great way to finish a tournament uh, where you were an unlucky plate finalist. I was just a spectator because uh, I couldn't get through any level of, of match, but it was a great tournament and it was a great way to, to wrap up a good first season for Raider Golf. Yeah, I don't think it was... I was too unlucky because uh, I got beaten fair and square by A.B. Muller in the final. In the semi-finals, managed to overcome Dylan uh, Schneider, Schneider from uh, Cape Town, who made his way uh, down, well, up rather, to the beautiful Serengeti. And we played at Whistling Thorn on the Saturday, which, of course, is the part three championship course. A lot of people saying, no, hold on a sec. How can you have a, a championship take place in a part three course in a mashy? But as we've discussed numerous times on the show, the Whistling Thorn Part 3 Championship courses anything but a mashy, and uh, we discussed it back in Episode 2. Remember, it's still hosted uh, part of the Sunshine Tour, and that was a five-round event, the middle round, taking place at Whistling Thorn, where the pros absolutely struggled. And unfortunately, in this case, uh, Dylan struggled too. So I managed to edge him, but it must be said, going way back, I did avoid catastrophe by kind of avoiding... Richard Masbro, who I was supposed to play against, and then by hook or by crook, I managed to switch it around to, to face Hank Kortz, who beat me anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, yeah, big thank you to Serengeti for hosting us. Uh, a phenomenal weekend was enjoyed. It is the home of Raider Golf, and uh, we can't wait for the next season of the Raider Golf Championship. But uh, enough of that for now. We are talking about golf and looking ahead to the Open Championship. Before we do, though, uh, going to go quickly back a, a couple of days. Uh, I know we deal specifically with golf, but uh, we do tend to speak about other sports sometimes too. And uh, the cricketers, congratulations to them. The Proteus is doing very, very well over in the West Indies, coming away with uh, the T20 series victory, also doing well in the, uh, the ODIs. But uh, the 3-2 series win, uh, Timba Bavuma went uh, into the press conference straight afterwards. Uh, this was just before they headed to Ireland. And uh, time managed to say a few words to him. Timba, well done on a good series, a great uh, series result, but uh, an important question a bit light-hearted. We didn't see you practicing your golf swing in any of the, the captain's speeches. Are you and Mark going to try and get some time on a course in Ireland? Because there's some great courses there. Some, some tactical planning. Yeah, I've heard in Ireland we're staying at one of the prestigious um, golf courses in Ireland. Um, I'm not too sure what the COVID restrictions um, will allow or prohibit. But if there is an opportunity, um, we, will be, we will be on the course. 
That's amazing. Even though we're talking about cricket with the captain of the ODI and T20 uh, team, uh, Ty still manages to find time to speak about <laughs> golf, Ty. Yeah, listen, I, I'd been weighing it up for a, a few press conferences. <laughs> and uh, when Mark came on, I was like, well, when Mark was very, very serious. And I decided, uh, no, Timber, Timber's my man. Let me ask him. And yeah, he was a good sport. And apparently he's a pretty good golfer as well. Yeah, he's an extremely good golfer, and uh, he only picked up the, the clubs a, a couple of years ago, but I, I think he's down to certainly single figures with his handicap, which is a, a lot better than I can say. Uh, yeah, plenty to look forward to on the show, but first up, of course, we are talking the final major of the year, the Open Championship. I'm Lyle Rowe, and you're listening to Radio Golf with Derek and Tyron. So it's I, lots to look forward to. Uh, we go into the fourth and final major of the year on the back of, of course, the third one, where Louis Ursaisen again came so close, but yet so far. Yeah, look, I mean, it's 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 been very reminiscent of uh, of uh, Ernie's year back in I think it was two thousand and two, where he finished second in three different majors. Hopefully, Louis doesn't do the same and finish second at a third one. Um, but you know, uh, Derek, I think uh, if you're gonna lose a a championship, uh, as Louis has done a few times, but you know, as as much as uh, we wanted Louis to go on a birdie streak or something, you know, leading leading a championship on the Sunday, shooting an even par round at a U.S. Open is a pretty decent round. Um, you know, to lose to those two putts to John Rahm, uh, yeah, there's not there's not much disgrace in that. Um, those two putts were, were championship-winning putts. And uh, what a nice guy, what a nice winner uh, he comes across as. And probably the comfortable favorite to add a second major this week in uh, St. George's, Royal St. George's. Yeah, those two putts will be spoken about for decades, centuries to come. They were phenomenal. Terrific clutch play from the Spaniard. Uh, and yeah, very much a worthy winner. And there weren't many people too upset at the fact that if Lou was going to lose, he was going to lose to someone who is such a good player and also such a likable guy. So the wait continues for South Africa to to capture yet uh, another major crown. It's amazing to think it's been, uh, what, 10 years now since uh, we had our last major winner. Is it that how long it's been? Uh, we go back to Ernie Els at uh, Royal Lytham and St. Anne. And uh, joining us once again on the show, good friend, is Richard Masbro. And Richard, that was your very first major that you attended, and uh, what a major to be at. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show once again. Always an absolute treat to get to talk golf with you guys. Yeah, I don't know if that's maybe the start of the end for us. Hey, the first major I went to was the last one, a South African one. I don't know. I think maybe I'm the bad luck story here. <laughs> I, I highly doubt that. But, Enrich, you went over there uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, being told, listen, go on behalf of Supersport, and... It was the, the, the tournament where Adam Scott kind of choked. And, and remember, Ernie Els did feel pretty bad about it afterwards. Him and Scotty are, are fairly good friends. But that being said, South Africans were, were smiling ear to ear. None more so, well, none more so than Ernie, but I think second most would have been you. Yeah, it was just an incredible week. And, and what a start to um, my, uh, my career covering major championships. I mean, just everything about that week, you know, looking back on it now, just seemed to to click and to fall in place. 
I remember we had a chat with Ernie Jeepers. It must have been on the Monday or the Tuesday that week. And he said to us, I don't know what it is. I'm just feeling really, really good about my game this week. I just feel like something special is going to happen. Uh, then everything along the way just just pointed towards him. I mean, we bumped into Harry Redknapp, uh, who at that stage I think was managing Spurs in the parking lot on either the Thursday or the Friday, and he was going to go and watch the golf. So I doorstopped him for an interview and said, Harry, you know, let's not talk football. We had to follow the golf. Who uh, are you here following and, and who do you like this week? And he said, I'm actually here following Ernie Els. I've got a, a few quid on him. I think he's going to have a great week. So um, it was just one of those events where, where everything seemed to, to click, where everything fell into place. And as it all unfolded on Sunday and Adam Scott unraveled, uh, it all pointed towards Ernie. And just what a really, really special event. Um, you know, it's one thing going to you know, a major championship or a World Cup or whatever it might be, sort of the pinnacle of whatever sporting code you follow. Um, that's cool and all. But to see your team win or your player win uh, at an event like that is it, it just takes it to to another level. Yeah, and, and we fast forward or <laughs> slow forward nine years and we're <laughs> off to Royal St. George's. Uh, it's the first open championship in two years because obviously of COVID and it was the one event that uh, just didn't manage to get time on the calendar last year. And so Shane Lowry comes in as a defending champion. And, and, you know, the Open Championship is always quite interesting in the sense that, you know, in the last 10, only three have been won by Americans. It seems to offer up the most uh, different nationality winners. It's also a very interesting field with qualifiers from Australia, Africa, Singapore, Ireland, Morocco, Canada, Korea, uh, you know, all different tournaments that have qualifiers plus around the world. And, and South Africa will be well represented once again. 13 players playing at the Open Championship, including the legend that is Ernie Els, including Louis Oosthuizen and looking to finally shed the bridesmaid tag, including the exciting Garrick Hicho, uh, who you did a really cool uh, uh, documentary on recently on, on Supersport and on catch-up uh, you know, Rich, we, we, we obviously, from a South African point of view, who's the man that you think that could do it? And then let's look outside of the South Africans. It is a fiercely contested tournament. Uh, 29 of the top 30 players in the world will be there uh, with only M missing. Um, and uh, yeah, where, where do you think? Where do you think? Who's going to be lifting the claret jug on, on Sunday? And who is South Africa's best hope? Hi, uh, let's just start off. Unfortunately, we're um, we're down a South African. Uh, we were 13, but we are now 12. Uh, unfortunately, Louis Diaz has contracted COVID, and um, he won't oh, be won't be news. pegging it up in in the open. Unfortunately, he came through uh, one of the qualifying events, um, did exceptionally well to to get into the Open Championship, but um, unfortunately. Was playing in Europe, took the opportunity to come home for a week or two, picked it up, and um, that's uh, that's that for him, I'm afraid. So we're down to 12. Um, it was also touch and go with Yaku Alas as well. I had a lengthy chat with him last night. He only just made it to the Open Championship, literally by the skin of his teeth. He also had COVID in South Africa, and uh, it's not easy for him at the moment over there. was telling me that uh, he's pretty much in isolation. He's testing every day. 
He uh, keeps on returning negative tests, so he's all right to play, but he's not being allowed in the clubhouse. He's not being allowed in the change rooms. In fact, he's not allowed in any area that is enclosed. So he has to, uh, to be outside literally the entire time. He said he had to have his lunch outside. It was um, a rather unique and different experience for him, but at least he's there. Um, other South Africans in action, Christian Besaidno, Dean Burmester, Ernie Elsbrand and Grace, Justin Harding, Garrick Higo, Sean Norris, Louis Oerstes and JC Ritchie, Daniel Fantonda and Eric Van Royen. If you're looking for a South African, I don't think you can look much further than Louis Oerstes and always does well at the <laughs> Open Championship, past champion in 2010, runner-up in 2015 at uh, St. Andrews once again. I had the misfortune of watching that one as well, uh, where uh, Louis lost in the playoff to uh, Zach Johnson. Um, so he's without a doubt the uh, the inform golfer for South Africa. But um, so many of our guys do well in links type conditions in those sort of courses and that sort of event. So you know anybody, I guess, can make a, a run at it. A lot of Really big names there as well, guys who have done well at the Open Championship in the past. Um, you know, Gracie's there. Um, Garrick's in great form as well. Um, Eric Van Royen, I don't think, has finished outside the top 20 in his two Open Championships that he's played in. So he's one to look out for as well. There's just so many really good South Africans at the moment. But Louis Oerstes, and I think he's going to come back with a vengeance after what happened at the US Open. You speak about Louis de Jaca, unfortunately, missing out. There's a couple of other names that uh, I don't know if you guys are aware that uh, have recently pulled out. I think they did it yesterday. Uh, two former Masters winners. Uh, well, one current winner, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, pulling out as well as Bubba Watson. Yeah, uh, and uh, Matsuyama, I believe it's uh, his focus is on getting back to Japan and, and serving quarantine and all of that to be okay because he is likely to be the flag bearer at the Olympic Games, these host games. So that's pretty cool to hear. And then Baba, of course, has tested positive from what I read mm. earlier. And with the, the rules, it's quite tough. Um, look, obviously, if we if we look at the current odds, the odds are, are the, on the highest of John Rahm. He is the favorite. Uh, the likes of Rory, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, who uh, showed us all how to shank last weekend. Um, Jordan Spieth, Jander Slofer, they, they are the guys uh, talking to the the pundits out there. Yeah, I mean, I watched a bit of John Rahm this weekend. I, I just think his game is in such a good place. I think he is uh, the overwhelming favorite. I, I mean, Rory, Rory just doesn't seem to always be there for the full four days. I mean, I mean, he's the kind of player that you can just walk up, take a head cover off a club and take a club and just warm up. And he doesn't really even react to that these days. Which you obviously all know I'm talking about that video. <laughs> yeah, it was some of the, the, mo- the more bizarre scenes I, I think I've ever seen on a golf course. Um, unfortunately, questions are now being asked of security at these sort of events. And um, it's a little disappointing that, you know, golf is one of the, the few sports that you are actually able to get up close and personal with the guys and literally get within touching distance. So um, that was slightly concerning. Um, I know there's generally pretty good security in place for the big guns at the big events. Um, it's a little surprising that nobody was in place there for, uh, for Rory. Um, we saw when he was out here for the SA Open at his own personal security going around with him. The guy had a, a backpack with him the whole time and, um, 
I asked one of the the organizers and the officials, um, what's in the backpack? What's that for? He said, no, it's a medical kit. There's just about everything in there, including a defibrillator. So uh, this guy was toting around this massive backpack for uh, the four days that uh, Rory was here at uh, at Glendower. So they're generally well looked after, but um, that was just a freak occurrence, but something that we didn't really want to see. What were the no, ramifications and, and, of that? Does anyone know? I, I suppose the guy was just hauled over the coals and never seen again. And, uh, well, they, I haven't seen any communication on, on what happened, but... Uh, this is bizarre. Look. I mean, it's unbelievable in this day and age, especially given how stringent every measure is across the board, not necessarily just from a, a security perspective, because of the COVID restrictions, because of the bubble. It's almost as if, if, if anyone's seen without either a some form of verification or if they aren't a player themselves, you can imagine that they, they're certainly going to get a lot of questions asked. And it wasn't the case this time around. But uh, yeah, thankfully, Ty, it, uh, it ended uh, pretty non-eventful. Uh, a quick little video uh, and that was that. The guy will be a meme yeah. um, one day. But uh, yeah, look, look I want to I bring it back quickly to, to the Open. Uh, and obviously this week we are playing at Royal St. George's. Now, Royal St. George's is an interesting course in the sense that uh, the last two times that it's been hosted there, it produced what can only be said as complete outside winners. In 2003, Ben Curtis, who uh, himself is probably one of the, uh, as we've joked before, one of the underwhelming champions ever. And of course, in 2011, winning his only uh, major was Darren Clark. So Royal St. George's also has the opportunity to throw up a real curveball. And I thought I'd put it to the two of you. Who in the field is a real curveball for you that could maybe, just maybe, cause a little bit of a shock this week and be a complete outsider that lifts it? I'm going to put down a name because I didn't prep you two for this, so I'm giving you time. Uh, uh, to prep and, and the name I'm going to put down, although maybe he's an outsider, but shouldn't be, is a man who lost. Uh, I think it was in the playoff this weekend. Is Matthew Fitzpatrick? I think he has the game to to be a challenge this week and maybe join the likes of Ben Curtis and Darren Clark as first time winners at Royal St George's. Rich, all yours. Thanks, Derek. Um, yeah, interesting one. The the last two champions at uh, St. George's were certainly not expected, um, but they are looking at sort of correlations now between the two of them. They were both over 40. They were both supposedly in the twilight of their careers, both less fancied, although um, certainly more than capable of of winning a major championship. Um, You know, if you look at some of the other winners before then, it's big names, you know, Greg Norman, Sandy Lyle, Bobby Locke won there as well, Walter Hagen. Um, so they're big names that, that have won there before, but the last two certainly unexpected. Um, ben Curtis, it was Thomas Bjorn, fluffed his lines in uh, in that Open Championship and I think bogeyed three of his last four holes to lose to uh, to Ben Curtis when uh, when Bjorn probably should have won the Open then. And then Darren Clark as well managed to hold off a, a faltering Dustin Johnson in 2011 and win, win the Open then. Um, but just looking at that sort of trend of of two guys, sort of senior, two guys well experienced um, and with plenty of game. A lot of people are talking up Lee Westwood for uh, for this one. 
And it'd be a wonderful sort of symmetry if he was to win the Open Championship now, given that um, his good mate Darren Clark did manage to do it in, in 2011. Um, he's certainly got the game. He's, he's shown he can still contend. Um, really, really playing some good golf. Was in with the shout at the Players' Championship. And why not? You know, got plenty of experience. Played well again this past weekend in Scotland. Um, you know, I agree completely with you. Somebody like Matt Fitzpatrick has certainly got the game for an Open Championship. Certainly seems to be playing well enough as well. I think it's only a matter of time before he uh, he gets a major and most certainly the Open Championship is the one most likely for him. But maybe somebody a little more experienced. So, I don't know, maybe Lee Westwood. Yeah, I'll probably go wrong the same vein. Uh, he's certainly been playing very good golf, as has Lee Westwood. But I'm going to go with uh, another local. But because, of course, I'd obviously be backing a South African. But if it wasn't to be, I always like to root for someone who would be winning their first ever major and particularly someone who was always expected to do it uh, maybe a decade back and uh, they think it's uh, just a bridge too far this time around. But I'm going to go with Paul Casey, who's always a, a popular guy. It hasn't fared too well, though, in the Open Championship, to be fair. In fact, it's probably been one of his worst majors that he's participated in. I think the best he's finished is, is around third. That was in in 2010. So, yeah, not not the greatest uh, event for him, but uh, certainly one that I'd like to root for. But that's a complete outlier. Uh, certainly don't go backing my bets whatsoever. I haven't done any research on this whatsoever. Uh, just a, a Brit that I'd like to win, other than a South African. Uh, <laughs> so, looking at that course, Rich, and uh, I'm denied about the date uh, back when Ernie won. It was 2012. So so you missed out on Royal and St. George's by a year because that was the last time it hosted the Open Championship. The very next year it went to another Royal, Royal Lytham and St. Anne, and, and that's when you made your debut. Uh, so you missed out on seeing the course, but uh, what do you know of it? Yeah, not a whole lot. I haven't been to to that part of uh, of the world, southeast coast of, of England. don't honestly know all that much about it. I've I've seen a few uh, scenic shots and a few drone shots of it. Um, looks to be a, a traditional, good old-fashioned links layout. Um, it's wide open. It's completely exposed to the elements. Um, from what I've heard from everybody, it's it's a really tough course. Um, as a usual, a links course, not necessarily the longest one, but heavily bunkered. Um, and, and seems to rely largely on the elements and the bunkering of the course to protect it from from crazy scores. Now, I did have a quick look at the weather for the week. Uh, it is going to gust up to 30 k's per hour on, on some of the days, but by and large, it looks to be fairly clear. It doesn't look like we're going to see some of the weather that we saw in, in 2011 where um, where it made it extremely difficult for, uh, for the golfers on, on a couple of the days with heavy rain and, and strong winds. So I think the, the course is going to look to play firm and, and fast and rely on a little bit of wind and hopefully the, uh, the bunkering can, can protect it. But, um, you know, if these guys get going um, and they take a liking to a course and the elements aren't there, uh, the scoring can, uh, can balloon. Yeah, as, as was this case, well, the case in 1993 where, where one person did take a liking to it, Greg Norman, because that score stands out head and shoulders above the rest because Darren Clark was the last man to win it and a very emotional victory as well following uh, the death of his, his wife to cancer and that, that was in 2011. So he won it with a, a five under Ben Curtis, the man before him, 
uh, one under. Sandy Lyle, two over was enough to, to capture the, the claret jug. Uh, but sandwiched in between Curtis and Lyle, Greg Norman, uh, 13 under in, in a major and completely different to the rest of the scores. Bobby Locke, uh, South African to have captured the crown there. Five under for him, Bill Rogers, four under. But yeah, 13 under. I doubt we'll be seeing that this weekend, Rich. Uh, you never know. It is a past 70. Um, so I, I honestly don't know. I don't know what to expect from uh, from from the course. Um, I don't know what to expect from the scoring there. I mean, we are looking at, um, at scores from 1993. Um, <laughs> the game has evolved since then. Uh, <laughs> I mean, 93, the guys are just barely out of hitting persimmons. So... Um, yeah, look, it's it's completely different these days. I think they're going to set the course up very differently as well. They're also going to be guided by the weather. They can't do silly things with with pin placements and, and green speeds. If the winds are going to get up, you you run the risk of of balls blowing off off the greens, and nobody wants to to see that again. Um, so I think they'll be guided by the elements in terms of how they set the course up. But I wouldn't be surprised if there is a score around thirteen under. Um, you know these guys will they'll get after a course if it's if it's there to be had I, I wouldn't I honestly wouldn't be surprised to to see that sort of score it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility you know three under each day is is really not uh, not too difficult for uh, for these guys it all depends on the weather um, but yeah a good few under par I reckon will uh, will win it this week. I know we've spoken about Louis Ursays and we've mentioned a, a couple of the South Africans that. Uh, or expected to shine. And I know we've given him pride of place over the last couple of episodes, and rightly so. But we haven't spoken too much to you about him since he captured that victory, the Palmetto Championship over at Congaree, which uh, led to his performance at, at the US Open. Uh, struggled a little bit there. But uh, Gary Kiku, and the reason why I'm bringing him up, because obviously a lot of eyes will be on him, given his, his recent performances, but also because... You recently did that documentary on him, Conquering Congri, I think it was called. And also you spent time in the, the, the press room immediately after he won that uh, PGA Tour victory. Uh, I remember watching it. I wasn't participating. And, and it was great to see the smile on his face and still a, a really down-to-earth guy with an abundance of talent uh, in his body. Yeah, such a good golfer. Um, such a quality human being as well. Really, we are blessed in South Africa, not just with great golfers, but with um, with really nice individuals as well. Um, and Garrick is certainly no exception there as well. Just uh, an absolute joy to to chat to and to be around. And that I think is part of the the key to his success is, is just how level headed he is, how down to earth he is. Doesn't seem to be too phased by anything, and you could see that as he was. Uh, cruising to uh, to victory at uh, at Congaree, um, just didn't seem to be too phased by uh, by anything and what was going on around him. But has struggled a little bit since then. Um, I think still struggling to to come down to earth after after that victory. Has played every single event since then as well. So um, maybe was in need of a little bit of a break after that victory. But played Travelers the week after. Played Irish Open, then obviously to get ready for uh, for the Open Championship, and then Scottish Open last week, and has uh, has struggled in those events. So hopefully he's uh, made the most of uh, his missed cuts over the weekend in Scotland, and took a, a little bit of time off, and uh, is 
refreshed and ready to go this week. But oh, it's just got an abundance of talent. Such a good golfer. Um, all facets of his game seem to be good. His short game is ridiculously good. And uh, that's going to be tested heavily this week uh, around the green complexes at, uh, at Royal St. George's. Yeah, Richie, of the young contingents, obviously, Garrick seems to be the the leading light. Wilco seems to struggle with a bit of the scoring. Jaden hasn't quite got there just yet. But another guy, he's been around a little bit longer, but his form has completely dipped uh, this year, is Dylan Fratelli. 14 of his last 14 events, including John Deere Classic this past weekend, which he was the defending champion of. He's missed 11 cuts. What do you, what do you think's gone wrong there? Oh, jeepers. It's, um, it's so tough to, to know what's, what's going on with the guys. Um, Dylan did allude to it in, in the press conference we were part of uh, last week for his title defense at the John Deere. Um, said he's had a few personal things to deal with, came out of a, a long-term relationship as well, and just struggled a little bit with his game. I mean, it happens. Uh, the guys lose form. They, they lose touch. Something just gets out of sync, and they struggle to get it back. I know he's missed a lot of cuts, but the point that he was making during that press conference was that he still played reasonably well in some big events. So he was outside the top 125 on the FedEx Cup standings when we did catch up with him then at the John Deere. But his world ranking hadn't dipped that much because he played well in some of the bigger events. So, you know, he might be struggling a little bit at the moment, but I'm not too worried about Dylan. I think he sort of sussed out how to compete and play at the highest level to compete and play on the PGA Tour. Um, you know, he'll find it again soon enough. He, uh, he works incredibly hard, and uh, I don't doubt that, uh, that he'll be up towards the top of the leaderboard very soon. Yeah, now obviously Dylan spends most of his time on the PGA Tour. We've seen the same with Eric, and obviously Garrick now has a PGA Tour card. But uh, do our golfers move across, some of the golfers move across from the European Tour too quickly? Should they, or should they, in your opinion, spend a little bit more time on both? Uh, it's, it's difficult. It really is. A lot of the guys are, are still fighting for playing privileges as well. You look like somebody like Christian Besaidenot is still trying to wrap up his tour card. I know Eric was in that position last year as well. He also needed to play a lot in the States and basically play every event that he got into to secure his card as well. Um, Gracie was like that as well, also taking the opportunity wherever he could to play in the States and make sure that he retained his playing privileges. So it's tricky if you're not uh, in the position like Garrick where you've wrapped up exemption on all the tours and have that for the next two years in the winner's category you're pretty much trying to make sure that you remain in that top 125 and you don't have to go through the uh, the web.com finals. So it's so difficult to try and juggle it. If, you, if you're sort of on a, a relatively steady ground on the European Tour, then take your chances on, on the PGA Tour if you've got the opportunity there. Um, I know Vilku's playing there this week because he's, uh, he's gotten in as, uh, as an invitation there. So he's playing on the PGA Tour this week. Uh, you know, didn't get into the Open Championship, obviously, so he's taking that opportunity. So there are opportunities for the guys out there, and that's the beauty of it. And by and large, they generally take those opportunities and take them exceptionally well. So, you know, I, I can't look at anyone and say, oh, they've played too much there or they've played too much there or, or they shouldn't have played there. It's incredibly difficult um, to juggle that that schedule of of competing on both sides of the Atlantic, but by and large, I think our golfers do a superb job 
let alone playing on those two tours, also coming back and playing on the Sunshine Tour as well, which all of them make a point of doing as well. That's exactly the point that, that led me to my next point was as we wrap up, because you were privy to that press conference with Garrick and he was exceptionally proud of being a representative of the Sunshine Tour and only had great things to say about the tour. And that was one of the questions posed almost immediately by an American journalist, I think, saying, listen, are you going to be now just uh, devoting all your time to the PGA? And he said, no, not at all. Going to play in Euro, going to play PGA. And he said, I would play in the Sunshine Tour because it's the tour that got me to where I am right now. Yeah, absolutely. And our guys never forget that. They always come back and support. I know it's difficult to look at the last couple of years because of what's been happening with COVID, but guys like Louis Oersthays and Charles Schwartzel, Brandon Grace, the guys who are heavily based in the States, always come back and support. They always play in the SA Open. Um, they always try and play the events around that as well. The Ned Bank Golf Challenge, Alfred Dunhill. Our guys always come back and play those events because they are so important to them. And when you chat to them at those events, you realize just how big they are for them. I mean, to win your national open is, it's the biggest thing, I'd say at least as big as winning a major championship. Every single one of them that you speak to prioritize that about every single other event. It, it's huge for them to, to win their national open and they all want to do that. Um, the other events as well. I mean, Leopard Creek, such a special place for them. Joburg Open, all these events that, that we do have in South Africa that are part of the co-sanctioned events, um, even Dimension Data, it's an event the guys love playing in. Um, that They've just got such a, a, an understanding of where they've come from and what they need to do to, to give back to, uh, to the tour, to give back to you know, people in South Africa who do follow them. Um, that, that they do come back and support. And, and hopefully things are a little easier towards the, uh, the end of the year with, with travel and all that sort of stuff. And, and we'll see the big guys coming back and, and supporting our events here, if not later in the year, early in next year. Well, I'll tell you what, that segues beautifully into our next guest. But before we introduce him and say goodbye to you, Rich, uh, finally give us a, a, a proper pick for the Open Championship, not about Lee Westwood. For the folks that actually do want to make some cash, uh, who do you reckon they should back? <laughs> Derek, I'm the last one to ask about um, putting money on people. Um, I'm notoriously bad at that. Um, Fantastic. You put it on John Rahm or Dustin Johnson and then they won't win and that gives Louis a better chance. Yeah, yeah. Look, if it was um, if it was my own money, I would probably do something silly like put it on John Rahm or Dustin Johnson. But, um, I mean, how can you look at somebody other than Louis Oestes? And one, he's South African. Two, he's such a lack of oak. And three, he's been playing exceptional golf this year. So Louis Oestes isn't for me. Yeah, I fear that in 20 years' time, if we ask this question, we'll probably be getting the same answer from all three of us. Uh, hopefully by that time, though, he'd have a, a lot more majors in the bag. Rich, it's been great having you on. As always, we'll be catching up throughout the weekend, as we always do, via WhatsApp, uh, as we follow the exploits and adventures of the golfers over at Royal St. George's. Uh, we'll catch up on there. But uh, as for the show, it's been great having you on, as always. Guys, thanks so much. An absolute treat. Thank you. That was Richard Masbro, Supersport Broadcaster and Golfing Journo Extraordinaire. Hi there, it's Jeff Claus here, CEO of Paradise on Earth St. Francis Lakes. And you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Ty.
Thank you very much, Jeff Claus. It certainly is Raider Golf with Derek and Ty. Oh, man, what a course down in St. Francis, the St. Francis Links. So we spoke a bit about the Sunshine Tour, and that uh, is the perfect introduction to our next guest. Now, it wasn't uh, too long ago, a couple of days, in fact, where a press release landed in my inbox, and it said... The European Tour and the Sunshine Tour have formed a new partnership that should not only elevate golf in South Africa, but recognize its contributions to global golf. The European Tour announced that it is committed to improving the existing international pathway between the two tours by co-sanctioning the ESA Open through to 2025, continuing to stage three Challenge Tour events in ESA, and creating several new co-sanctioned events that will appear on both the Challenge and Sunshine Tour schedules. But... uh, I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, Who else but uh, the commissioner of the Sunshine Tour to tell us more? We're very, very happy to have on the line none other than Thomas Apt joining us. And Thomas, it's great to have you on the show. Tell us a bit more about this astounding partnership. Thanks, Derek. And and Ty, I can't even try to get it out as well as Jeff Claus does it, but I'm very excited to be chatting to you you both. Uh, Yeah, it's it's a fantastic partnership. It's, as we coined the phrase, a landmark partnership for us at the Sunshine Tour with our our friends uh, at the European Tour. Um, It's uh, acknowledgement and uh, recognises the sustained uh, contribution of our chairman, Mr. Rupert, first and foremost. Uh, We've been friends with the European Tour for... Sure, 25 years plus. We've been part of the World Golf Federation for over 40 years. Um, and this is this is that platform to go back and say, Sunshine Tour has created so much and given so much to the world of golf. Let's see how we can continue to, to partner with them and, and, and make things better in our country. Uh, there's a bunch of aspects to to the deal, um, and you've alluded to, to one or two of them already, is, is first and foremost, number one on our list is, is having three dates on the calendar, on their calendar, for our co-sanctioned events. Um, historically, we've had three or four co-sanctioned events on the calendar with them, but now they've given us three dates, and they said, well, they're for you. Uh, do do them as you as you will. Um, so, so very exciting on that front. And then for them to come back and say to, to us, we'll partner with you on the SA Open um, at a $1.5 million price fund, which is absolutely wonderful, an increase from last year from a million a million euros to $1.5 million. Um, so this partnership is going to go a heck of a long way to, to get some of our players to come back and support uh, one of the second, sorry, one of the oldest national opens um, in the world. So, and Rich was alluding to it a little earlier. It's uh, going to be so good for our, our game to have, have this back on the calendar for the next five years. Uh, very, very exciting times. Um. And, and Derek, it doesn't stop there. Um, you mentioned as well, we have currently three co-sanctioned events for the Challenge Tour in our country. Uh, they're going to help us and create three more in South Africa. So we'll have six Challenge Tour events uh, on our schedule going from the beginning of 2022. Um, and with that, we're going to create three more Challenge Tour events in Africa as well. So we've essentially got nine Challenge Tour events on our calendar, um, that and, and referring that to the global pathways you spoke of just now, it's 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 just unbelievable of, of how we've managed to position this uh, particular partnership and, and how it can go from strength to strength. And part of the negotiations, obviously, was our executive director, Selwyn Nathan, who 
who has been part of uh, both of the Federation and, and Friends of the European Tour for a very long time, was uh, leading our, our conversations with him. And, and even more so, this now gives us an opportunity to create more fully-fledged uh, events on the Sunshine Tour for our local professional golfers. So guys wanting to start out to go back and say, why does greatness begin here on the Sunshine Tour? Let me see what this is about. Um, so incredibly exciting times. Um, they've offered us assistance with regards to our business, our enterprise uh, development, uh, with regards to our transformation squad, how we can work together, uh, create opportunities uh, for those guys as well. So we are so privileged and so excited uh, moving forward into into this space now, it's uh, a superb uh, superb deal for us. Uh, Thomas, we uh, obviously have are so so delighted to have you on the show. And we are really delighted about this deal. You know, I I mean, as a, a youngster watching golf in South Africa, you know, I wanted to see some of our big names playing in some of our tournaments, and and it used to be really really special seeing the likes of Ernie and Retief and Tim Clark and, and Trevor Immelman come back and play in our SA Open. And we see the guys like Louis, like Dylan, like Christian have been committed. And, and we're going to see more of that. But the thing that really, really um, excited me about the press release, and you've said it now, is the, the broader extension for the Challenge Tour, both in South Africa and outside. And, and, and we've seen that the value that can give, you know, uh, Marcel Seem has just used mm. the Challenge Tour to re-get himself a European Tour yeah. card. I mean, that's exactly the kind of great stories we want to see. And, of course, he spent a bit of time playing here in the Sunshine Tour. Yeah. Uh, you know, you must be, as as a, a complete organization, the Sunshine Tour must just be incredibly proud of the work they've done. And, obviously, that comes to the fore because the European Tour has said, we back you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a really feel-good time right now. Absolutely. You're 100% correct. And that's exactly what um, these Challenge Tour events do. It gives our guys that global pathway option. So essentially, our guys will play on the Sunshine Tour. They'll get into the Challenge Tour events uh, sanctioned with ourselves and then move on to the European Tour. Uh, and that's why we keep on saying greatness does begin on the Sunshine Tour. And it's so funny you say that. Um, Marcel Sim played at the Limpopo Championship and some of the other events uh, at the beginning of the year. And he was... I'm going to say slightly disappointed he was was playing back um, at the level he was at. And he had just said to me one of the conversation, he went back and he said, gee, was, I forgot how difficult it is to compete on the Sunshine Tour, which is wonderful and great. And, and 100% tie in terms of what you just said, that uh, it's awesome for golf. It's uh, We keep on producing great golfers. And, and that's what these new events will give our guys, that pathway to get onto the bigger stages. So... Uh, to, to Salwan again, uh, he was part of these conversations every single step of the way. His knowledge and his his thought process through of how we could structure this and, and work for us as, as was a monumental. Um, our chairman, as I said earlier, so we we were very we were very blessed to be in the situation we are uh, from an organisation perspective. Well, and Thomas, it, it obviously has a great opportunity for young golfers. Uh, well, not just young golfers; it's got a great <laughs> uh, opportunity for all local golfers. But it's also got a great opportunity for local golf courses because uh, we have some amazing golf courses that will be putting their hands up and saying, but we want that co-sanctioned tour. It gives us an opportunity to take more big events to other provinces. You know, it doesn't always yeah. have to be KZN, Gauteng, uh, and, and Western Province. I mean, is there already a thought of, of moving those challenge tours around like we had the Limpopo 
uh, tournament. I mean, it's a fantastic development area for the sport. Mm. Is mm. the Challenge Tour going to be used a bit more for that as well? Yeah, so so excitedly so. Um, not this year based on the pandemic. Uh, last year we, we ran our co-sanctioned events with uh, field sizes of about 200 players, which means we needed two golf courses in a particular region. As was in Cape Town, as was in, in Limpopo and Daudatas across three golf courses. And what we've committed to doing is running the new three Challenge Tour events across two golf courses as well. So we are going to look at different areas, maybe not in, in Gauteng, as you've alluded to, um, but we've already uh, earmarked an event in, in Durban, uh, very exciting over there, and, and where, where else we can take uh, these Challenge Tour events. And with that, as you said, it, it highlights the golf courses in that region. If you go back and, and you look at the uh, the media value returns uh, from a, a golf tournament coming to a particular region and or golf course, the golf course achieves and receives the second most media value from an event being hosted there. So if we use um, sponsor X that plays at golf course B, that golf course B essentially gets the second most amount of media value. What that means is obviously people saying, wow, what a great golf course. Let's go play golf course B because they play in those tournaments there. And that's what our partnership with Supersport does. It profiles these golf courses. It showcases so many options for tournaments and, and the fantastic condition of our golf courses. So South Africa is just a wonderful place in terms of the, the golfing ability, our golf courses and what we can showcase. Uh, it's it's spot on. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget Henny Otto winning uh, the SA Open at Serengeti and, and the desire that I had to go and try Serengeti. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, for years watching, I, I mean, when Sergio Garcia broke our hearts at, at uh, Sun City when he chipped in to beat Ernie. Mm. I mean, all I wanted to do was go and play and go and play that ninth hole and reach the green in two, which I never have done anyway. Um <laughs> Uh, th- this year or last year in November when I played it with uh, with Derek, I actually reached it in, in three, but my third was the luckiest, <laughs> most terrible shots I've hit. I, I, I chunked it into the, the river, but it hit a stone. Yeah. It flew up and landed on the green. So, uh, you know, you don't always have to be good. You have to be lucky. No, exactly. The scorecard says you made five, hopefully, or even a four. It doesn't say how you got it. So. It, it said I made a six, but that's not important. <laughs> but, right but that's irrelevant in that conversation. <laughs> don't, don't spoon a good story uh, with the truth. Yeah, I mean, Thomas, look, so, so for me, I, I fully agree. I mean, I, I know watching, even uh, watching the SA Women's Open down in Cape Town recently, you know, thinking, geez, I didn't want to play ever in those conditions that the woman had to play in, but you know, you want to go to the course. So it's great to see more courses are getting profiled. It's great to see more players. I mean, obviously a few have dropped out, but we have uh, eight players in the top hundred. Now we have 20 players in the top 200 and we have a group of players punching below the seams that uh, are just ready to go. And, you know, it's the sunshine tour and, and the opportunities that have uh, been created that really does mean uh, there is no other company in this country that I think embodies its slogan as well as you do. That's a fantastic uh, compliment. Thank you. So I think also exactly what you're saying in terms of the uh, the players that have come out of uh, the Sunshine Tour. This week at the Open, we had 12 players playing in the tournament. Um, unfortunately, I got sad, sad news probably about an hour, hour and a half ago, was that uh, Louis de Jaga has tested positive. And he won't be competing after going through that tough 
qualifying criteria that he did and he succeeded and, 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 and the terrible sad news that, that he's got COVID and he can't play in the tournament. But uh, it's an exciting week for South African golf again at the Open. Fabulous tournament. Uh, such a wonderful venue. Um, and we've got some real class players that are going to be competing and not just making up the numbers. So it's an exciting week again for, for South African golf. Uh, sunshine tour and then greatness uh, begins here. Yeah, I, I don't think Ty could have put it more aptly, uh, Thomas, that uh, with the greatness <laughs> begins here slogan because it really is the most perfect slogan. And you know what always amazes me is that, especially in South Africa, I know that the country is certainly going through some tough times, but golf is a form of escapism and South Africa has uh, arguably is home to, to some of the best courses in the world. We know that. And, and the amount of courses out there and, you know, it, it, it is just this amazing feeling where you can leave the confines of a, a COVID restricted workplace or having a tough time out in your job and you can disappear on the course for four five, six hours and just be one with nature and just be surrounded by friends in, in some of the most magnificent atmospheres uh, the world over. And you deal yeah. a lot with European tour representatives, no doubt. And, I mean, they, surely they must be in awe of South Africa, firstly in terms of a venue, and secondly in terms of a producer of world-class golfers. Absolutely. We have a, we have a weekly call with the European tour executives and, and every day or every Monday, rather, we were joking with them saying, well, we've done this week. What have you done? Um, yeah, we've been very blessed. Um, and again, going back to saying, why are we so good? Um, there's a bunch of reasons. Um, and I think number one is probably in terms of our, our development program, our amateur program with Golf RSA headed up by Grant Hepburn, in terms of what they do and how they've honed those amateur skills uh, to get ready for the professional scene. Um, those guys are just so good. And, and you alluded to it a little earlier, Christian Moss, Martin, Martin Foster, um, Jaden Shaper not, not playing in the Challenge Tour. Those guys came through those, those, those squads, those platforms. Um, and that's what makes our guys so great. Um, I'll never forget when I started out in the golfing scene, I uh, asked Doug McGuigan, one of our professional golfers now playing on the Sunshine Seniors Tour, why are we so competitive all the time? And his phrase was quite simple. He says, when South Africans play, they play to win. He says, when he was playing, I think he said in Canada at the time, he said the guys play and everybody gets a medal because they competed well. In South Africa, you don't come in the top three, you don't get anything. Um, so it lends itself to our competitive nature and we want to be the best. But the golf courses are fantastic. Uh, the weather is always wonderful. Even in, in, in Gauteng at this, this particular point in time, it's chilly, but you can still play on a fabulous golf course. And our golf courses are re always really well looked after, manicured, and, and every golf course wants to be, be better than the next. So we've got all of those things going for us. And and also, the, the last point I want to raise on this particular section is what Golf RSA has done that enables myself, yourself, and Ty to go out and play is, is the protocols they've put in place to ensure that we can play golf. It takes a heck of a lot of work to, to make uh, the golf courses uh, remain open, put our protocols in place, put our case to uh, our government to ensure that the courses remain open. And, and extending upon that is, is how we implemented the, the, the challenge to events at the beginning of the year, but also how we did the co-sanctioned events where we did full PCR testing for all our players, all our caddies, all our officials. Um, it, it was a huge task, so much so 
that the European Tour have asked our administrators on our side to please assist them at some of the events going forward. So, uh, again, we always seem to come to the fore uh, in a positive light. And, and I'm going back to the Open Championship this week. May that be no different on Sunday afternoon in around about 4.30 South African time. Yeah, yeah, I'm completely with you. And we had Grant on the show in our last episode. And and really, the, the folks over at Golf RSA, like you say, uh, are doing tremendous things for, for the sport in the country. So just as we wrap up, and exactly the same conversation I had with Richard earlier, because we can speak until the cows come home about the abundance of talent coming out of South Africa and golfers you need to watch out for. But uh, just a special word on Dean Burmester uh, following the Scottish Open this past weekend. The third round, 28 in the back nine. Wow, wow, wow. That's all I can say. What a great score. Two, uh, two, what was it, four twos in four a row, twos. I think he made? Or some, yeah, absolutely. He was crazy. And, and to shoot 28 on, on nine holes, what a fantastic score. And a hell of a nice guy as well. Mm. What, what, what fabulous guys we've got. All of our guys are champions, but Dean's is such a, a solid, down to earth guy. Um, so grateful for what he's been able to achieve and so grateful for the Sunshine Tour. And you alluded to, to Gary Kigo as well. And I was so pleased uh, in his interview that he's, he's thankful to the Sunshine Tour because that gave him his opportunity. So the guys do go back and support us. And, and we've got a great bunch of players uh, playing on the tour. Well, Thomas, it's been great having you on the show. We've been wanting to get you on for a while. Finally, we did so, and uh, for a great cause as well, a tremendous partnership uh, just cemented even further. We know that the Sunshine Tour and the European Tour are very, very good friends, and uh, this just uh, puts that final stamp on the approval as such. But, uh, yeah, let the relationship go from strength to strength, and congratulations on all the great work you're doing your side. Thank you very much, and for what you guys are doing as well. Um, Thank you for the support and long may it continue. Absolute pleasure. Thomas Apt, great having you on the show. Uh, enjoy the Open Championship this weekend. And, and quickly, not who's your money on, but, but who are you backing for this weekend other than a South African? Because we all know we're all rooting for South Africans. No, 100%. Um, I, I don't want to say it, but I, I'm going to have to say it. I think John Rahm is going to be right up there again. Even a, a hell of a nice guy. Wonderful, but he took that uh, that other major away from Louis. So I'm slightly disappointed in him. But I think this week, if it wasn't a South African, I'd have to go for him. Yeah, that's that's who I'm going for. Um, there we go, Ty. Yeah, fully, fully going for Louis. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, John, John just plays such good golf, and I think having got over the 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 hurdle, yeah, it it has very much like Brooks did when he first won. The, the possibility of going crazy. Yeah. I hope not, but I do agree with your statement. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much. Thomas, thanks very much. Always a uh, good chat and, and uh, yeah, keep up the good things. Hi, it's Michael Campbell here. You're listening to Radar Golf with Ty and Derek. Welcome back to Raider Golf. So if you are a golfing aficionado, even if you're not, but you do follow some semblance of golf and you are all over social media, there's no doubt that you would have come across our next guest. Uh, She's been in the golfing game for many, many years, despite being relatively young. And on top of that, uh, she is phenomenal when it comes to golfing content. She's a, a very good player herself, but uh, when it comes to producing the goods on social media and beyond, uh, yeah, she does an excellent job. Samantha Marks, all the way from the States. 
Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. What an introduction. I appreciate it, you guys. Thanks for having me on. No, it's an absolute pleasure. So, Samantha Marks, uh, a lot of people would have originally got introduced to you via uh, the Golf Channel. And since then, uh, you've gone to bigger and better things, including launching your own company, Scram. That's correct. Yeah. So, a little backstory on that Scram is my last name backwards. Um, it was always my nickname and like a family inside joke growing up. Um, we had it on all of our hats, on of all, all of our shirts and stuff, playing golf growing up and um, decided to kind of keep it rolling. And we do social media management primarily for um, companies, brands, influencers, um, anybody and everybody who needs us. But yeah, I was at Golf Channel for about a year and a half doing some digital social media website kind of work and um, uh, just kind of transitioned into my own thing. And it's been great. It's really fun. Get to play more golf, watch more golf. Um, it's been great. But yeah, the Twitter the Twitter presence always makes me laugh um, and is always a really fun part of my job. Samantha, obviously in your time with the Golf Channel, you got to cover a lot of really cool events you know, forefront of my mind is the 2019 um, uh, Masters when Tiger won against odds and, and went and got number 15. Was that the highlight for you in that time? Was that the big thing? And and uh, what else ranks high up in your list of events that you covered? That was definitely up there. Um, it was really cool because we only really went into the office for majors um, since we worked during the broadcast, obviously that's usually in the evening. So we wouldn't go into the office much. We would just go in for majors. So our team specifically could all be, you know, in the same room, you know, make it a little bit easier in that communication to not have to be on the group chat and stuff um, to get things done in a little bit more timely of a fashion during majors. And it was a really cool atmosphere there in the office that day when Tiger won in 2019. It was just it was eerily quiet. It was eerily um, electric. It was just a really cool experience to be able to be around so many people who had seen, you know, the growth of Tiger in the past few years and seen what he's gone through um, and covered it. Right. So that was what was really cool for me um, was in, and the days to follow were, were just as cool, right? Like still, still getting to cover all of the after the fact stories. Um, but the majors were always a rush, but that one definitely will always have a special place in my heart. And obviously in the, in the time you with the golf channels presence, you got to interact and, and obviously subsequent uh, with scram marketing, you, you've got to interact with some of the great stars of the game. Which player gives the best interview? Which player uh, is the best character that you interacted with? I would say the interview that stood out to me the most was uh, Gary Woodland at the 2019 Honda Classic. I was my first time traveling. Um, I didn't travel much with the Golf Channel. We did a lot of stuff digitally, but it was. I went down to West Palm. I'm here in Orlando, Florida, so it was only a couple hours. And interviewed Gary. Um, something was going on with his putting that week. I don't even remember what it was, but I just remember him being so nice. I've never met this guy in my life before, and I, you know, I'm I'm a young girl, the only girl in the in the press room, and just kind of went up to him very 
shyly and, and he put his hand on my shoulder and was like, Hey, good to see you. And I wanted to be like, you don't know who I am, but thanks for <laughs> pretending like you do. Um, so he just kind of really put an imprint on me as, you know, somebody who really understood the job of the media and understood that, you know, we are there to do a job and why, while it's not always rainbows and butterflies, it was, we're still doing a job and he was there to help it make helped me make it as easy as I could. So that really had a lasting impression on me and I'll forever be a Woodland fan after that. Another man that you're a massive fan of, which uh, from what I see, judging by the relationship between Scram and himself, I know that you do a lot of work with Heineken, is Phil Mickelson. And uh, you must have been mightily impressed with what took place at uh, Kiowa Island. That was an incredible week. It was so much fun. I like to... Whenever Phil does something cool, I like to tweet that he's my coworker, even though I'm pretty sure he has no idea who I am. Um, but yeah, Amstel Light and I have um, we've done a few things surrounding the Masters the past few years, and it's it's been really fun. They're great partners to work with. They um, obviously have the ear of Phil Mickelson, who is arguably even when he's not playing good, he's he's one of the best in the game that gets people talking about the game, and that's ultimately what we need right now to keep the game growing. And um, so watching him win at Kiowa um, against all odds, really, there was no one I don't think who was rooting for him going into that week besides the diehard Phil fans. It was really cool to see um, to see him prevail, especially over the myriad of younger guys who are out there on the PGA Tour right now, really starting to overtake some things, but it was really cool to see Phil, Phil prevail there. Amstel Light, my apologies. Definitely not that other green beer. And Samantha, just uh, looking back at uh, the most recent major, we had the, the US Open, and uh, I was following your comments, of course, towards the end. I was rooting for Louis Oersthuizen, without a doubt, uh, and you were rooting for John Rahm. Uh, f- two questions. Firstly, John Rahm finally uh, getting the monkey off his back and getting the major that everyone expected him to eventually get. And secondly... Uh, your thoughts on South African golfers? Uh, of course, uh, we punch well above our weight. Well, we like to think so. Uh, from an American perspective, uh, how do you perceive us uh, from down south? Um, I mean, I love watching the European tour. I love it because it's always on at a different time. <laughs> um, so it gives me an, a, a chance to watch multiple professional golf rounds. But Ustazen has really kind of had a comeback in the past, I'd say, what, 12 months or so, 16, 18 months, um, starting obviously with his good play at the players and then transitioning to, you know, last month's major. But I I think that play is going to continue. I think he's getting more comfortable back in the swing of things now. But one guy who um, me and several of my golf friends love is Garrick Higo. Mm. Um, Love that guy. Awesome that he was able to get his first win this year. So definitely keep an eye on him. And it's, it's been awesome to see his progression up to the PGA Tour. Speaking of uh, the PGA Tour, um, you know, if you had the opportunity to go out there and, and play a round of golf with three of the PGA golfers and yourself, who would you pick? Uh, current is your question. Current golfers? Yeah, yeah. Let's go with current. I would go uh, Phil Mickelson. I would go Tiger. And then I would go someone out of left field, like uh, maybe a John Daly. I, I think uh, 
if that is your football, you would have a lot of entertainment and uh, some rather big drafts. Yes, exactly. I definitely would need to bring my uh, bring my checkbook for that one. But I'm I'm definitely somebody who loves to uh, loves a good story, and I feel like between the three of them, they've they've got to have some of the best in the game. You'd also have to bring a, a hell of a lot of Amstel lights too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Absolutely. I I think there's um there might be some new stuff cooking up with them soon, and I know they're they're still obviously working with Phil. So. Again, a great partner, and it's obviously great when Phil's playing well as well because I get to play off of it too. <laughs> so we... uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was going to say with 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 Phil's obviously his PGA Championship uh, win, and you know here in South Africa, Phil was always someone we we respected, but we kind of loved to hate him because he uh, he was just so good, and he often denied a South African a tournament win. But as time has gone on, man, I'm so fond of this oak. He is, he's just so much fun. And you see his banter with uh, Brooksy and Bryson. He, he's not scared to get involved and stoke the flame. And um, yeah, he, he, he looks like he's just a mischievous little shit, and I love it. Uh, have, you, <laughs> uh, have you encountered any of that mischief from, from Phil over the years? I haven't, but you know, I will say you, you make a good point. And I think that a lot of that attitude came um, beginning of COVID and after, during and after the COVID lockdown, when the PGA tour was not playing, that's something that I've noticed over the past few months. And I guess now past almost two years is that a lot of these pros were forced to get more personal, right. And, and be more open with what they're up to in their day-to-day life, not just having them up on this pedestal um, as a professional golfer. So I really think that Phil was one of the first to do so. If you look back um, beginning of 2020, when he started posting those videos about his calves and driving down Magnolia lane, hitting (laughs) bombs, and he was really the first person to open up and do that kind of stuff that wasn't a paid advertisement and wasn't a, you know, an obligation from a sponsor. And I think that partially at the time when he wasn't playing well, I think it was probably to stay relevant. But I think that Phil is probably someone who thrives off a little bit of attention. I mean, he's had so much of it with him and Tiger over the years that I think that that people starting to see him for who he was besides a golfer was beneficial to him, which is probably why he's been playing well in the last year and a half. But watching his Twitter um conversations with the other pros or even the average followers is is one of my favorite things to do i check phil's replies daily um just to see what random shit he's tweeting and i just think it's so funny um but i love that he's not afraid to say what's on his mind and i think that um like you said there's definitely a little bit of mischief in in phil's blood but that's what keeps it interesting well saying on that subject the bryson brooks show is that for show or is it real <laughs> Gosh, you know what? I don't know. And I, I would like to think that it's, um, that it's a little bit for show, but then there's some things that come out and I don't think it is. I'm just getting a little bit tired of the same narrative, to be honest with you. Like something needs to happen. They need to, mm. you know, go face to face on a press, in a press conference. I don't know, but it's just the same thing over and over again. And I think it's funny and it's, I think it's it's obviously bringing more eyes to the game when other sports and outlets are, are reporting on it and talking about it. But 
for the average golf fan, it's like, okay, why don't you just uh, let the golf ball do the talking and, and be a little bit more of a grown up, in my opinion. Um, love them both. I think they're both fantastic golfers. And I think that Brooks probably feels a little bit threatened by Bryson is my, my thought and, and feels the need to keep firing back. And Bryson's just responding in my opinion. Um, I don't see Bryson as the one really fueling the fire, um, right, wrong or indifferent. I don't know. I think it'll, it'll take some time to shake out, but I'd love for them to meet on the first tee and, and see how that goes. And maybe we can settle it once and for all. Well, there we go, because we know that Bryson and Brooks both listen to the show. Massive fans, so when you do listen to this, uh, the gauntlet's been set. So we're tired of the talking. It's time to do the walking and get out on the course and battle each other, uh, mano e mano. Uh, the majors leave statesides now, Samantha, and uh, move over to the UK for the fourth and final major of the year, the Open Championship. I know the Americans refer to it as the British Open, but who, who, who are you rooting for? I'm always going to go John Rahm, especially when he's playing this well. I think somebody else I have an eye on um, that's up there in the in the favorites and the betting odds is going to be a Justin Thomas or a Patrick Reed. Um, I'm always going to go with the bigger names for these kinds of majors. And obviously, as you guys know, the withdrawals and the disqualifications due to COVID restrictions have already been pretty severe thus far. Um we might have a random winner. I don't know. But if you if you ask me for my three picks, um, I'd say number one, John Rahm, two, Patrick Reed, and three, Justin Thomas. Just based on the, the winners that we've had thus far in majors have all been big names this year. Um, not saying I'm a creature of habit, but I would like to think that we're going to get a fourth big name as well. Yeah, absolutely. Louis Oosthuizen is a really big name, and we love that he is your choice. Thank you. We'll put that all over social media. Uh, no, look, I, I've said it a few times. I think John Rahm is the man to beat this week. I think he showed last week at uh, the Scottish Open that his game is lit, and we know, uh, unfortunately, from a South African point of view, as much as we actually like John Rahm, we know that uh, when the pressure's on, he can deliver. And I think having that monkey off his back of, of uh, the first major could be could be quite a big big thing for him. Um, you know, I definitely think we, we've got a, a good few golfers that can compete, and we know that there'll be some great coverage um, all over the world and also from your side. So, Sam, where, where can everybody find uh, – your podcast information, the stuff you're sharing, the stuff you're talking about, where do people find out more about you? Yeah, so I'm primarily on Twitter at Samantha S. Mark. Last name is spelled M-A-R-K-S and backwards it's Graham, which is my company's name. Facebook, um, Instagram, and Twitter are all the same, Samantha S. Mark. And we do the Strike Show podcast, which I actually work with one of my biggest clients, Travis Fulton, who... Um, is recording who records the podcast every day. I do a Friday happy hour, which is really fun. I like to have guests to talk to um, people relevant in the in the golf media space, but I also try to keep it short. I typically do 10, 15, 20 minutes max, try to cover all of the um, golf news of the week in a condensed version um, for people on the go like myself. So Strike Show podcast, 
uh, Samantha S. Marks, and I'd love to connect with you guys there and just know that nothing I say is for real before you follow me and get offended. <laughs> Samantha, it's been great having you on the show. And I'll tell you what, Scram is such a cool name, and it certainly rolls with the tongue because Tyron Barnard, uh, my co-host, uh, he tried his own company, also going the same format as you did, but uh, Dran Rab just didn't sound as good. So he tried to turn Barnard around and uh, didn't yeah, that, quite that work. Sounds terrible, Rick. That sounds terrible, Rick. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Samantha, thanks it's so much. Not quite roll off the- Pardon? What does that? It does not quite roll off the tongue like Scram does. No, it doesn't at all. Samantha, it's been great having you on the show. We'll continue to interact uh, on social media, especially over on Twitter. You are very prevalent on that. And uh, we're excited to uh, you know, watch the Open Championship together albeit digitally. But uh, yeah, you root for Ram, we'll root for Louis, and uh, we'll meet you on Twitter. Absolutely. I'll talk to you guys this weekend. Thanks so much. Cheers. Hi, this is Masazim from the European Tour, and you're listening to Rally Golf with Derek and Tyron. Yeah, thanks for that, Marcel. From one tournament champion in Marcel Sim, we move across to another tournament champion, uh, joining us now is Christian Burke, the man who made social media go crazy just the other day when he shot what we know as the lowest ever score in South Africa, an incredible 16 under par. Yeah, you heard that right. 16 under par, 56 <laughs> at Potchefstroom Golf Club. Of course, he has followed that up with two wins on the Bushveld Tour, and he's speaking to us at the break in one of the the Bushveld Tour at Rand Park, where he currently lies in fourth place. Christian, thanks for joining the show. Thank you very much for having me. I, I, yeah, it's, a, it's our pleasure, absolutely. Um, Christian, I must know, have you framed that, that scorecard yet? I haven't. Um, I've sent it in, so I'm just waiting for it to come back to me now. I, I mean... It is an incredible round. If if I look at your scorecard that was posted, playing medal, a front nine of 26, 10 under par. I, I can tell you, I have never gone through six holes in 26. So to go through <laughs> nine in 26 is is sensational. I, at what point did you know something special was on? Um, probably when I hit it in on eight from uh, 100 yards. I told my brother, there's something going on here today. I need to keep on going. And I mean, and I mean, if I look at the, the, that front nine, and Derek, I don't know if you've seen it, but this is oh, the scorecard. Yes. It's birdie, birdie, eagle, birdie, eagle, birdie, then a very, very disappointing par, <laughs> eagle, par, 26 on the front nine. A back nine that looks very average in comparison with a 30, six under par back nine, um, and, and a 56. I mean, your, your social media has also been a buzz. Uh, you must have been getting notifications left, right, and center as people stood up and, and took notice. Yeah, it was, uh, my phone was quite busy after that day, um, especially on like Sunday, Monday. I uh, got a lot of phone calls. I actually got a phone call from Gary Player on Tuesday. That was quite nice. Um, yeah, so that quite shocked me when I got the phone call from him. It was very special. T- tell us a bit more about that phone call. I was actually, I was at home just chilling, watching TV, and I saw a number from America coming through. And at my head, I was, I thought it was a college, like some college uh, people want to talk to me. 
And I answer, I'm like, Christian, hello. He's like, Christian. I'm like, yes, who's this? It's like Gary Player speaking. <laughs> and I was literally stoked. I couldn't say anything. And he just told me congratulations. And he played there when he was 15 years old. And yeah, we had a good chat after that. So it was quite nice and special to me. And, and what, did, what advice did he give you? Um, to do 400 push-ups a day. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> he said... <laughs> He said, um, just to keep going, um, keep my good form. Um, and yeah, hopefully you can see me one day on the PGA Tour. Yeah, we all share his sentiments, of course. We'd love to see you over on the PGA Tour, of course, as, as the Sunshine Tour, the European Tour. Uh, but tell us a bit about yourself, uh, your background. You said that you were hoping that uh, it would be a, a college. Of course, that certainly is within your radar. I mean, you're still very young. Uh, school-wise, where'd you go? What's your hopes and dreams? Uh, ending with the tours, obviously. Okay, so I was born in Poch, um, Poch of Shroom. Then I moved to Paris till I was six years old. Um, had grade one and two, I was in Paris. And then I moved back to Poch and I had my whole uh, school career there. Um, and then after school um, in 2018, I'm, me and my parents moved to Bloemfontein. We were there for a year. And then in 2020, I moved to Joburg and yeah, I'm still in Joburg now. And, and I mean, Christian, obviously being up in Joburg allows you to have access to a, a fairly wonderful coach in Grand Friendster. Yeah. He's been yeah. on the show before and he speaks very high of you. How much of an impact has he had on your golf? Yo, uh, I don't actually have any words how, how much impact he has on my golf. Um, when I started at him, uh, my swing was very dodgy. Um, couldn't hit the ball very good. I played if it wasn't for my putting and chipping that, those days, I couldn't perform it. Like, I was hitting the ball so bad. And then from last year, lockdown, we started doing some swing changes. So I was struggling the end of the year, end of 2020. And then the start of 2021, my golf started to improve and I'm hitting the ball better. So that's a big improvement he made on my golf um, that I'm very glad about and stuff. And obviously, I mean, apart from the 56, you, you also recently uh, in June won the Vardaquif Golf Club event on the Bushveld Tour. You followed yeah. that up with a win at arguably one of the tougher courses in, in South Africa at Glendower. I mean, your game is in a really good purple patch. Are you, what, I mean, what's the plans? Is there plans to go pro? Is there plans to just keep plugging away? What is the plans? Um, at this moment, me and Grant talked about it. Um, I'm still going to stay amateur for another year and a half maybe um pro probably want to go play the british amateur next year um and try to get my golf better to get into the u.s amateur as well um just to get more experience overseas um see how it's like how's the golf there i've played uh, in the uk in 2019 um so i want to go next year again and see how my golf improved from 2019 to now and see where we can take it from there. So at this moment, I'm still going to stay amateur for now and see where it goes. And and Christian, obviously with the um, with the uh, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking the announcement uh, of the Euro Tour getting more Challenge Tour events here in South Africa going to be six now, and there must be that yeah. must be quite enticing to you as well. Yeah, it is definitely. Um, hopefully, I can get some invites to one of those uh, events. Um, and yeah, let's and see how we can go from there on. Christian, you, 
There's no doubt. I know that Ty spoke to you about it with being in the crosshairs of social media and a bunch of other media, including ourselves. I mean, you were literally one of the, the hottest names in golf uh, for, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, you must have enjoyed the attention. And, and have you, apart from Gary Player, I mean, have you received quite a lot of calls from elsewhere speaking about this magical number? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I've got a, a f- all my friends, family, uh, people I don't even know. Um, like today, after the round, um, I was standing, signing my scorecard, and some old guy just came up to me. He's like, are you Christian Burke? I'm like, yes. He's like, can you please sign this ball and can I take a photo of you? I'm going to show my whole family. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been special. Um, it's It's been good to be in, uh, on the spot in the light now. Um, so, yeah. I'm very glad about that. I'm sure you are. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, what, what interested me, of course, because you're amateur, uh, you do have a handicap. Uh, your handicap is? Uh, plus eight at this moment. Plus eight. So you had to add eight to your score in Porch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm a plus eight uh, index in at Porch. I think I'm a plus 10 or 11 Jeez. at this moment. Jeez. So, I mean, you still had to add. So, so what did you have to add? Yeah. To to the the fifty six, plus eight, plus eight. So you (laughs) added eight shots, and Ty added eight. I mean, you're the maths man, but I mean, he he finished with a sixty four with a a plus eight. Yeah, Yeah, I finished with sixty four, adding a plus eight. That is unbelievable. (laughs) So so if you you actually got close to that because. Derek shot 162 the other day of his 87 <laughs> handicap. It comes. <laughs> yes, I'm my, so luckily we, we get to go the other route. I can, I can yeah, take I, off. I can, I can chip, but you made the plate final. I didn't. So. <laughs> was, was by hook or by crook. Uh, okay, we, we've got to ask uh, a couple of quick fire questions, uh, Chris John. All right. Favorite course? Uh, Letter Creek. Favorite. Chip shot. Which golfer has the favorite chip shot that you'd love to emulate? Definitely Phil Nicholson's flop shots. Oh, lefty. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cap or peak? Uh, cap. Ty, you got some. Yeah, so Sunday of a major championship. Are you in the black pants with the red shirt or are you in the man in black, all black like Gary? Mm, man in black. Right. What 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 is your clubs that you use? What's the brand of clubs? Um, Titleist. I use Titleist. And what and golf shoes do you wear? Fujoy. And who is your favourite person to beat in a round of golf? Definitely Casey Jarvis. <laughs> Definitely Casey Jarvis. Rugby or <laughs> rugby or cricket? Rugby. Oh, nice. Of course, you're a you're a porch boy and uh, and a Bloemfontein yeah. boy as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. What else do we have? Cheetahs or bulls? Yeah, Definitely good one. Bulls. Oh, Definitely bulls. Oh, yes, but, I liked you so much until that. <laughs> you speaking? You you're speaking, you're speaking to the one cheetahs fan that lives outside of Bloemfontein. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely a bull supporter. Yeah. Definitely. And, and I'm a bull. So this week I'm a bull. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, what else do we have time? There's got to be one more that we can quickly shoot him. Um, hmm. so fa- favorite favorite if, South African golfer, uh, Louis Ossazen. Lovely. All have, have you played with him before? Met him? I've met him. I haven't played golf with him, but it'll be nice to play a round of golf with him one day. 
Yeah, well, you can be like, haha, Louis 57, what would you like? Some Christian 56 one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, beer, beer or wine? Uh, beer. Yeah, okay. So you can sell the Christian 56 beer and he can sell Louis 57 wine. 57 <laughs> wine. Uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, if you could only play in one of the four majors, obviously you're going to go play in all four and win one of them for South Africa. But if you could only play in one, which one do you pick? Uh, yes, actually a tough one. Um, I think the Masters, definitely the Masters. Yeah, I think yeah. I would concur. I think Ty would too. Although Ty, I know he stands on the precipice with the Open, which of oh. course tees off this weekend. Who are you backing for the yeah. Who are you backing for the Open? Uh, Justin Thomas. He's my favorite golfer. Oh, I hope he, get, he pulls it through. Why? 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 JT? Uh, why is he your favorite uh, just, golfer? Just how he plays the game, um, like his attitude against or to the fan, all his fans and. Um, just how he enjoys the game. It's really nice to see. Did uh, Did you have a, a gander to Shank this weekend in the Scottish Open? Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't see it. <laughs> you saw it, give though, it, it, huh? it, Yeah, yeah. Give it a watch. Uh, it's very similar to what I do on about the second, the seventh, <laughs> and the thirteenth hole on every round. Yeah. He, 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 yeah, he calls it a Shank. I call it Monday. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shank for JT it's my second uh, look and, and, and what is your uh, what is your golfing superpower is it the drive is it the long irons or is it the short game at this moment it's definitely the short game um, putting uh, I've been everyone calls me an amateur golf the putting god um, I always give tips to everyone and yeah, that's what, what helped me quite a lot in those past few tournaments I won and everything. It's putting. We, we've got to jump on that. Do they, they call you the putting god. Is that your name? <laughs> they call me a lot of stuff. Everything around <laughs> putting. If, if I stand on the greens and they see me, they always ask for help and everything. That's actually Casey Jarvis when he played the African amateur. No, the yeah, the African amateur at Landauer. He was struggling the first day and he called me while I was sitting, having um, breakfast and he's like, I'm on the putting game, can you please come help me? So I went out there, probably the biggest mistake I've made, helped him and after the week we won by three shots. So, yeah. That, that is incredible. And, and what is your, your number one tip when it comes to putting? It uh, depends on um, how your strokes look, but I always go on um, shoulders like Casey is a lot rusty when he's putting so I t- just told him to go uh, put more of his shoulders and from there on yes it actually he went I think he went like 18 under or something so so, 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 tom- him. so tomorrow because we're currently chatting to you midway through uh, your, your current tournament with, with Casey leading proceedings yeah uh, so tomorrow yeah. maybe just say to him listen I had a look at your putting <laughs> and you actually definitely need to move it's more into bad. the wrists yeah <laughs> Move it to the rest. I might do that tomorrow. <laughs> um, you I think you're pulling all your putts. <laughs> Tom, quite excited for the uh, our next and final question because ordinarily we we give this to our guests, and given their generation, we tend to get the same answers each and every time. I think we may have a, a different answer this time around. So we just want to know your dream four ball, including yourself. With players, yeah, with people that we'd know of. Obviously, it's nice to play with your family, but 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah definitely. So, pro, pro, pro golfers. Um, Justin Thomas, Xander uh, Schauffele, and uh, who else? Tiger Woods. Wow, Xander Schauffele. Geez, that's also first yeah. that's, that that's popped up. That is a yeah, major winner in the waiting. Yeah, I also think so. That's one of the most consistent golfers on the PGA Tour. Uh, uh, before you, of course. <laughs> before yeah, me, yeah, I get yeah. He better he better get that win in quickly because uh, what's going to start happening is on a Sunday, we're going to have uh, the the final four balls being Jaden and Vilko and and Christian and Casey fighting it out and. John that will be very nice. You're on breaking some clubs. <laughs> Christian, it's been so good having you on the show. Congratulations on a on amazing score and proving that you're not a one-hit wonder. I mean, we've seen players of the past do amazing things over the course of four days and then disappear. Uh, David Duval springs to mind, no offense to him. But uh, yeah, you, you, you've proven... Once and again, that uh, South Africa is home to a long list of incredible golfers, and long may that continue. And uh, good luck for the rest of your career. I know this is your first time on the show. I can guarantee you, it won't be your last because uh, we see you heading onto bigger and better things. But yeah, congratulations on an incredible achievement—the first of many. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Rupert. Absolutely. <coughs> Thanks, Rishan. Good luck and go and take it home tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to try my best. Thank you, guys. Hey there, this is Brian McFadden, uh, Irish singer-songwriter, and more importantly, avid golfer. And you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Ty. Welcome back to the show. Full disclosure. So when we interviewed Christian Burke, it was after round one of uh, the Bushfeld Tour that was taking place at Rand Park, Bush, Willow and Firethorn. And he actually went on to win that event, I eh? Yeah, Derek. So, so our lucky omens continue to shine. We had Phil Mickelson on the show and he uh, won the PGA Championship. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've got to put feelings like there. I've learned now from uh, my experience with Castle Lager that uh, you've got to tell people what your dreams are, then they come true. <laughs> i tell you what, Michael Campbell would, uh, if he had to go back and play another major, uh, the Omens would certainly be good, given the fact that we interviewed him just prior to uh, the US Open. So if he knew what magic we held and were able to wield, then there's no question that uh, he'd be back on the park playing pro golf. But uh, yeah, congratulations to Christian Burke, uh, finishing on top, uh, grabbing for himself 6,000 bucks in the process and uh, another victory for him. A, a really, really good player. Watch out for him in the future. And I'll tell you what, another great plan. Christian spoke about him a hell of a lot. He was leading after round one. Couldn't quite capture the crown, but a, a great performance nonetheless uh, was Casey Jarvis. And we are thrilled to have on the line Casey's dad, and uh, he's on the show not just because he's related to a very, very good golfer, but he's also in charge of a really, really good golf course, State Mines Country Club. Welcome to the show. Kevin, how are you doing? Hey, good and you. Derek, Ty, how's it going, man? 
Great, great. <laughs> yeah, we really good. Thank you. And uh, yeah, congratulations on a, a superb performance once again from Casey. Unable to to capture the title, but uh, there's certainly many, many more in the offing. But uh, not here to talk about him for now. Uh, we were here to talk about your magnificent little course. It's called a hidden gem of a course. Once discovered, never forgotten, State Mines Country Club. Uh, a beautiful place. I got to experience it for the first time, time uh, the other day. Now, we spoke about the Raider Golf Championship weekend that we had. Uh, Saturday and Sunday taking place at Serengeti. Saturday was Whistling Thorn. Sunday was at the Signature Course. But on Friday, we went over to Ikeleni and... Uh, Kevin treated us like royalty. Uh, two four balls. We had a couple of guys from out of town. And Ty, you couldn't make it, unfortunately, but I know that you have played there. Beautiful place, eh? Yeah, I've played there. I've, I've played there quite a few times. It's it's obviously my home course is in the Drakensberg, but uh, I consider State Mines essentially my home course. It's it's become my home course uh, during the, the lockdown when golf came back. Uh, spent a lot of time there with uh, Big Wes. Uh, we played on a Friday. We'd play early in the morning. We'd walk the course. Um, yeah, and and it really is, Derek, as you said, it is a hidden gem. It is a tougher course than people think. Mm. The greens are incredible. They are consistent throughout, which is exactly what you want. And uh, there are a lot of holes that are are rewarding and a lot of holes that you are scrambling to to save your your net score um so yeah it, it offers a great challenge for pros as well as for amateurs um yeah and, and it took me you know so so i fairly regularly uh break 90 i shoot mid 80s when i play between 85 86 87 and the first four rounds I played at State Mines, I could not break 90. It was it was just tough. I, I have managed to do that now, but I think my best round there is an 88. It, it's a proper good challenge course, a good people, friendly vibe. And, you know, the experience only starts on the golf course because once you get uh, into the pub, into the halfway house, you are treated to probably an even better experience um, as you experienced firsthand. Yeah, I certainly did, and it was all thanks to Kevin and his team. Kevin, over to you. Tell us a, a bit more about your wonderful place. Yeah, well, obviously, um, I think um, Ty hit the nail on the head. Our, our greens have always been synonymous um, on the East Rand. Unfortunately, about two years ago, uh, we had some bad water come through, and we actually lost all our greens. So we were very close to closing. Um, we managed to replant. Um, we got a good good rate from, from the from the guy who did it for us and we managed to, to save the golf course. Now, um, thankfully, we can say we, we're back to where we were. Um, and yeah, our greens have always been good. We've got a small little staff contingent. Um, there's only 25 of us who run the entire course as well as the back office, etc. So, you know, our, our sort of motto is we treat everybody as a member. Um, our free golf Fridays have, have become a hit. We've got no less than 200 players every single Friday and it's just, um, yeah, we've, we're picking up three or four members every single Friday and yeah, we're just growing and we we on the up. So, you know, um that's all to to the team and to the staff here at the club. So we're in the period of COVID. Money is short everywhere. People are struggling. And uh, one of the few escapes that we do have is golf. But uh, as we know, golf is a, a fairly expensive sport. That being said, you mentioned your free golf Fridays. This special is unbelievable, unheard of. I mentioned it to people. We had people from out of town, like I said, and 
they were absolutely gobsmacked. They could not believe the price they were paying. Well, we weren't because full disclosure again, Kevin, you, you comped the entire lot. So massive thank you. We'll be back again and, and you're not paying a cent. Uh, and, and, and theoretically, we weren't either because it's, it's free golf Fridays. Uh, just tell us a bit more about the special. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so basically, um, it was. It took me a while to get it to my committee. Obviously, we are a committee governed club. We are members own club, so it took me it took me a while to get it through. And it's basically based on the principle: we need feet through the gate. So once we get feet through the gate, we have got four or five different proper centres within the club where we can then make money off off the players that come through. So you know, the the golf course itself is a set cost um, per month. So before we even start the month, we in for a certain amount of money. So it's all about how many people we get to the club, how many guys are going to drink a beer, take a cart, eat something in the halfway house, we just put in a new pizza oven. So it's more, it, it was based on the principle, let's, let's give the course away for free and let's see how much um, how much sort of income we can generate. So, you know, after the first month, the report went back to the committee and we actually tripled turnover. So, so from going, uh, we had 40 players on a Friday at full green fee rates. So, so going from 40 players to 200, um, you know, it just tripled income and obviously our club has just taken off from there. So it was, it's more take off the blinkers and, and change the way people think about running a golf course and that's exactly what we, we did and the uh, committee thankfully um, had seen the benefits and, you know, like, like I said, we're getting so many new members because of this. We, we're advertising and marketing our course just on a different little little level, you know, not on the on a, we're not Positioned very nicely, you know, we're at the back end of Blackburn North. But once you're in in our facility, I mean, it's fantastic. So we're not in a main road where we can advertise a pub to the public or you know create a green bar or, or something like that. So we've got to do things a little bit differently, and that's definitely it. Sure works. I mean, it's it's just had an overflow um, from all those visitors. Our Sundays are now fully booked, and it's just yeah, it's just the club has grown from strength to strength. So that's basically what the thinking around it was. And let, let's talk about something else that's on the course that's of, of quite cool interest is the, the eighth hole. The eighth hole is a, a short par three um, that you play through the middle of two incredibly tall trees. And up there is a big board, scan and play, 20 rand or 10, 20, 50, 100. I, I can't remember the, the variables. Four holes in one. Um, I mean, Kev, how, how often has it happened that, A, somebody's got the hole in one and paid, and B, got the hole in one but didn't pay. Yeah, well, yeah, it's actually quite a funny story. So we were approached by an outside company to to do this little venture. So they put up cameras at the tee box and at the back of the green. Um, and it's a live 24-hour screen. So should somebody zap, there's a zapper board there. Or you've got the option of paying in the, in the pro shop. And then on the busier days, we've got somebody actually manning, manning the hole. So if you pay, you, you have three options, 20 range for 20,000, 50 for 50,000, 100 for... 100,000. So in the first two months, we had four hole-in-ones um, and nobody paid, and it was quite funny. And then uh, just recently, um, a guy by the name of Alvain de Kock um, paid his 20 rand, and um, he had a hole-in-one and won 20,000. The funny story about that, Alvain and his mates spent 7,500 in the bar, they say. So <laughs> the club benefits there. And then, um, yeah, the, the most recent one was um, a 14-year-old who his dad walked into the sea and paid for him and his son, um, put 50 rand down, and, and the 14-year-old hit a hole-in-one winning 50,000. Obviously, because he's under the age of 18, he can only get his 50,000 um, when he turns 18. So 
you'll be getting that. It's been put into a truck. But yeah, it's um, <laughs> quite a nice little incentive for the guys playing um, playing around the golf at State Mines. And um, yeah, it's just um, just a value added, I guess. I must I must say, I we stepped up onto onto that eighth and got up there, and there were two gentlemen manning the whole thing. They're sitting there relaxing, really nice guys, and they actually recognised me. And they said, "Oh, you know, you're going to pay." And I said, "There's no ways. I'm a crap golfer." I'm not going to waste my money. So, okay, cool. And then I teed off first. Boom. And I hit it. <laughs> the best tee shot of a par three I've had in my life. And it went straight for the pin. And uh, the guys are going crazy. They say, oh, you should have paid. You should have paid. And it, uh, it ended up bouncing and rolling quite a bit further. I think it landed about eight feet from the hole eventually. Um, but, but that was amazing. And they spoke about those two, the, the trees, either side. And what's the nickname for it? No, we don't have a nickname for that they, one, but it said, is up to 18. They said something about the gods or... Oh, I can't remember. I think him sitting out there every single day, um, <laughs> he's given his own nickname. But I'm um, sure to, to find out, maybe we can have a body record. <laughs> yeah, they looked well on their way. They're enjoying themselves that day. <laughs> it was a, a Friday <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Kevin, I mean, for me, the, look, I mean, I, I enjoy that hole. Uh, also, the, the times I've paid, I haven't even made it to the green. But one time I said, nah, I'm not going to pay. And I got about, it's the only time I got a birdie there. I got about two or three meters past the hole, but it was never in threat for a hole in one. But, um, you know, there are some other holes that are, are really, really great. They've all got different challenges and stuff. I quite enjoy the 11th as someone who has a natural tail on on my shot. I have to try and force a draw around the corner. The 12th is a, a, a beautiful golf hole where you hit over the lake on the left-hand side. And, of course, so that stretch, 11, 12, 13, is my favorite little stretch. And then you get to uh, the 14th and 15th, which are just two long, long holes. Uh, what, what for you? What's your favorite hole on the course? And, and what is the actual signature hole? Yeah, I think our signature is definitely our 13th, uh, little part three. Um, and quite recently, we, we erected a new tee box um, towards the right. Uh, so now you, you're playing uh, sort of through two trees and you can't actually see the bottom of the hole. We've, we've grown um, it's a natural sort of lowest part of our club. So we've, we've grown all that um, rough and it's weeds and it's, it's, it's quite pretty actually. So definitely the 13th is definitely our signature hole. We've got a great finishing hole, the 18th. I mean, it's a risk and reward hole where the bigger guys can go to the green, uh, but there's out-of-bounds path around the, the entire side. So, you know, yeah, we've got some, and I mean, we've had uh, we've had the Sunshine Tour School year. We've got four IGTs a year. We've got three bushfells. So, you know, the pros enjoy playing this. Um, and like you say, it's not that easy. I mean, um, you know, if we, we speed up the greens and touch the flags, um, the guys battle to get you double par. Uh, but in saying that, you know, when the, when the amateur events come through here, the guys can go pretty pretty low because the course obviously isn't set up as tough as for the. So it's it's a great challenge for both your professional to your to your 24 handicapper. I mean, it's just um it's just a fun little little course to play, you know. I was just reminded about what I was told those trees are called by the two gentlemen who are sitting guarding. The, the par three money comp. Uh, they called it the branch managers. <laughs> okay. I'm going to 
notes he's sold, and I'll get my marketing lady to make up a sign uh, for the branch managers. I, I thought it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kevin, I know I touched on it earlier, but uh, you must be a very proud father, given the fact that Casey has uh, seriously been performing, especially of late. Uh, also, he's uh, a resident at uh, State Mines. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but yeah, you must uh, be very, very, very chuffed with uh, what your son has managed to achieve. Yeah, super. I mean, super proud. He's um, obviously started from a very young age. Um, it's hard because you've always got a number on your back. If you don't perform, you feel that uh, if you don't win, you feel that you didn't perform. So that's sort of at the level he is right now. Um, he's going through a little dip, um, truth be told. He's, I mean, there's nothing to play. There's, the motivation isn't quite there. The practice isn't quite there. So, But what he, what he did, what he achieved last year, um, winning, winning all the, um, the top amateur events, plus the pretty state at the SA Open, having played with Christian Besaid notes in the first year, was just, um, it was an incredible achievement for such a young age. I mean, he's not even 18 yet. So, you know, hopefully it continues. Uh, there is this word that, that he'll be turning pro. I can, I can squash that, um, um, right now. He won't be turning pro for quite a while. He's, um, got a lot to learn, uh, a lot of amateur events to play, and he's got to play in the big, uh, the big ones, the US amateur, the British amateur. So, He's going, to, he's going to carry on as an amateur for now. We've got a brilliant structure from Golf RSA that look after our top amateurs in the country and really get them ready for the next level. So we're going to just fall into their structure and keep on growing, let Casey grow as a player um, and, and learn from the best um, to get to the next level. You know, So, yeah, no, super proud as a, as a dad, um, super proud um, of all his achievements. Yeah, I'm sure you certainly are. Just finally, Kevin, uh, for those that are wanting to experience State Mines for the first time, uh, what do they need to do? Uh, suppose you're available online, on the phone, just book around and come play, especially on those Fridays. But that being said, uh, they look to be getting filled up very, very quickly and uh, with obvious reasons. Yeah, no, basically, I mean, you could just um, search us on, on, the, on the web, State Mines, uh, telephone numbers posted there. Just phone and book. I mean, and it's not just Friday. Friday is obviously the value day because there's, there's um, zero green fees. But definitely you've got to book. I mean, uh, we've got a full-time sheet with a one-key start. Um, so, yeah, please just, just phone and book and we will welcome you guys with, with open arms. Um, so, yeah, any other day is still value. Today is Wednesday. We've got a, it's 150 grand to play and that includes half hour. So it's not just the Friday. Uh, we can't value every day. Yeah, of course. And uh, we always do this do this with uh, all our courses of the episode. Hope you don't mind, but uh, could we give away a four ball to one of our listeners to experience uh, your wonderful course? Of course. Of course. And we won't make it a Friday. We'll make it any day of the Ah, oh, brilliant. Thank you so much, Kevin. We'll handle all the admin and send the winners uh, over to you. Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. That is State Mines Country Club. As mentioned, it is a gem of a course, a hidden gem of a course, and once discovered, never forgotten. And that certainly is uh, the feelings that I had. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we can't wait to be back to play at uh, your wonderful course. Eric, thank you very much for having us on your show. Thanks. Thank you, Kev. And uh, we'll see you soon next time I'm there. I'll pop in. As soon as the weather warms up, I'll be back on an early Friday morning for the breakfast run. Bye, mate, for that car. Excellent stuff. Thanks so much, Kev. We'll chat soon. Cool. Stay well. Cheers. Bye. Yeah, Yeah, certainly a lovely course, eh, Ty? Absolutely. One of the best uh, that I've experienced. You know, 
I, I play a lot of golf at Benoni Country Club. I play a lot of golf at State Mines now. And I must say that we are so fortunate to have those two courses so close. They are affordable. They're good challenge, amazing facilities. And, you know, mostly, Derek, just good people. Like, people are just friendly out there. Like, you know, sometimes golf gets a little bit uh, down on itself with, with members that think they are better than the game. I have not experienced that at these courses and it's just an enjoyable visit every time. Yeah, I completely concur. And you mentioned the, some of the courses that are out there. Also, you look at Ibotsi with Hardest Moritz, who we had in the show uh, at the beginning of the season. And uh, yeah, a more hospitable guy you cannot get. And uh, you look at someone like Kevin now. That area just breeds proper people. And that's not taking away anything from courses outside of that area. But uh, yeah, it's certainly the the highlight doesn't just end on the course itself. It's the friends that you make afterwards. And I tell you what, if I didn't leave when I did, uh, which was at around 9 p.m., I think it was, and this was before lockdown, uh, I would have probably still been there right now. Uh, it was that enjoyable. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, pretty much wrapping up the show. And thanks once again to State Minds. The four ball is on offer. Follow our socials for a chance to win it. But before we go, time. You know, we were speaking to Thomas Apt earlier and we spoke about Dean Burmester. Yeah. And uh, Dean, of course, playing at the Scottish Open and he carded four twos in a row for his record-breaking back nine twenty-eight at the Scottish Open. So I asked him just to tell us a bit more about it. And uh, yeah, this is what he had to say. Hey, guys. Um, yeah, just going back on that back nine on Saturday. Um Flipped up for birdie on the par 5 10th um, and stuffed on in close and misread it on the 11th from about 10 feet. Um, and then the 12th hole hit 6 iron, uh, lipped out, nearly hit a hole in 1, um, went to about a foot, tapped that one in. 13th hole, 2 iron in the fairway, had 178, hit 8 iron, <laughs> hit 7 iron, um, pitched right of the hole, caught the slope, rolled straight in the middle. Um, and then uh, on the next hole, nearly slam dunked a gap wedge, um, rolled out to about eight feet and then made that one. And then had 210 yards and with a fly lie, hit seven nine again and um, pitched the middle of the green, rolled right up straight in the middle of the hole. So four twos in a row. And then uh, 16, um, nearly chipped it in for eagle, lipped out for chipping for eagle and 16 the par five. Um, and then after that, I uh, I just made two boring pars to finish, really. So, yeah, fun nine, 28, um, four twos in a row, which I've never done and I don't think it's been done. So excited. Um, I hope you guys are well. Stay safe. We'll chat later. Thank you very much, Dean Burmester, a great friend of the show, also been a guest of ours in the past. He'll be competing this weekend at the Open Championship. And yeah, what a round, well, what a uh, nine holes of golf. And it's amazing time. He speaks about two boring pars. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's tough to experience, Dave. <laughs> two... when, when, I, when I start getting boring pars, I'll let you oh. know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, what uh, incredible nine holes of golf. Congratulations to him. Really good player, and we wish him all the best over at Royal St. George's, as we do to all the South Africans playing and to the foreigners. Uh, who knows? Can John Rom make it back-to-back -back majors? Can Louis final finally capture his second crown following his first at 2010? Of course, uh, he's only won an Open Championship, so it is certainly a, 
an event that he does enjoy. Uh, thanks for listening once again, Ty. Thank you. As always, we'll catch up soon on the course, uh, but more importantly, uh, we'll catch up even sooner while following every hole of the Open Championship. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. See you on the fairway or in the rough. <laughs>